It's Tuesday, November 22nd. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, a show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle. It's episode 278. Guess who we have on the show today? Tyler Gates. <laughs> it's me, I'm anything. back. <laughs> Tim, he's back. <laughs> How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Uh, awesome, better man. now, anyways. I had a rough weekend. My, uh, my wife and I managed to get the stomach flu, which was not cool. Oh. Or at least I'm calling it mm, that. It was bad idea. It was everything you expect. It was awful. You both got it. We did. Did y'all send the kids away or something? I don't. I mean, no. I actually think we got it from them, uh, but it took longer to incubate than I would have expected because uh, my it was like last week that the two or three kids got it, and then E got it Friday night, and I got it Saturday morning, and it Ooh. was awful. Well, that was your last weekend. How about the last two and a half months? Busy, especially <laughs> in the early afternoon, which is why I have no Bazinga. Oh, man. I'm just kidding. All right. He's just um, been running VMware. Everyone calm down. Yeah. Running it. Someone has to. Right? Oh, man. All right. Let's see. Is there anything today in tech history? I hope Boy so. Story changes the movies. Um, which reminds it me of something else crazy I saw today. The movies? <laughs> I don't know. That's the title of this one. November 22nd, you got to tell me the year. Walt Disney Pictures releases the Pixar Animation Studios production, Toy Story, the first major motion picture that is created completely by computer-generated animation. A breakthrough film, Toy Story set the standard for all future computer-animated films to follow and catapulted Pixar into a household name. What year was this? I like 1995. I was going to say 98. Okay, it was 95. Good job. Nice. Nailed so, it. and Kate is obsessed yeah. with Toy Story. And in the most <laughs> recent one, they go back in time and they actually like, yeah, they are, they do. well, in the most recent Lightyear, Buzz Lightyear one, they reference a movie made in 1995. Ah, and uh, I've seen it like 300 times. So, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, bro. I saw that one, but me. I would not have remembered that reference. So, so, have you all seen the previews for Avatar: The Way of Water? I have. Also, I don't. I've, I've at least seen. I've oh, seen clips right. of them, you know, on the on the okay. TV tube. All right. Well, so Tyler, I, there's I a new headline. Avatar coming out. Yeah, there you go. You saw a headline, and I I, I admire you for never watching uh, previews. I think that's a great way to go into it. Disagree. Do you guys want to take a stab? So James Cameron came out in an interview saying basically alluding to exactly how much the movie costs to make based oh, on man. how much where it had to land in the top um you know sellers list of all time or top grossing whatever do you want to take a guess at how mm. much they spent to make this movie i'm just gonna say a billy it's gonna, gonna be higher than too. you guess it seems it's gonna like be higher. that i don't know it's four billion two billion dollars <laughs> wow i just had to so, i had to make you wrong but yeah, I yeah, was yeah, how much did. too? That's crazy. How much did the first cost? <laughs> Hold on, crazy. Avatar 2008, right? 2009, 2009 uh, budget. Avatar cost. Uh, two hundred thirty-seven million. <laughs> That's amazing because they made that film what? for ten years. Avatar took <laughs> ten years to make. Probably why it costs so the, much. The first one. Four hundred people daily for ten years. Just kidding. I don't think it works that way. Well, <laughs> so but how much how much did it gross? That's the question. Uh, a lot. 
It was like a. It was a. It was. Uh, it was a lot. Oh, Let's box see. office almost three billion. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's if you not look the at sequel, typically the sequels are bigger. Uh yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, in its Avatar is still the number one um, top grossing movie of all time, right? The top three wow. are Avatar, Avengers Endgame. Yeah, Avatar, Avengers Endgame, and Titanic. Wow. I, I knew so it was they, up there so he said, like, for a long time, but I didn't realize that it still held that spot. That's crazy. Yeah. So he said in order to recoup the money that they put into this movie, it would have to land in the top four highest grossing cool. films of all time. Not going to happen. Dude, talk about the pressure there. I think That's it will. I think, well, why? Here's, here's the, um, or the top here's five. The hype, hype won't get them above. There. It's actually no, 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 going to no, have to rock. Them. Yeah. So here's here's where the the here's where they could make Tyler's prediction come true. Theaters have struggled. They were way more, you know, more people went to movies back then because of COVID and less streaming services, and people might wait to come on streaming to to watch this. So I don't know what that plan looks like, but if they have a, you know, comes to streaming within the next say three months or whatever it is, like a lot of movies are right now then it's going to be hurt dramatically. But when I say that sequels tend to gross more, I'm looking at a couple different media types. And usually a lot of the the situations, like I'll even use one right now, the most successful Call of Duty ever released 20-year franchise is this one, Modern Mm. Warfare 2. That makes sense. Which which doesn't happen every time. Well, see, the thing is, is the people who go to the first one Tell people who didn't mm-hmm. watch the first one about the second one. So you get everyone who watched the first one, at least mm-hmm. the most part, except for the people who hated it, which was not very many people for Avatar. And then they bring more people who hadn't seen the first one, which is why the sequel is typically always bigger. And then they turn to drop off. And that's true of most media. That doesn't mean they'll be number one again, but I'm going to say they crossed three Billy. So all the news from earlier this year or last year on on the Avatar sequel was that it went into production with a billion dollar budget. They doubled, and it. they've gone over it by a billion. Oops. How does that happen? How they just that? missed. Dude. Ask anyone that's ever done a home renovation. Unless you're SBF with FTX, how are you accidentally spending a billion dollars? <laughs> Burn. Burn. I don't think that was accidental. He spent all the hundred uh, millies he wanted to. He wasn't worried you, about it. Are you guys going to talk about that at all? That's that's nah. called fraud. That's called <laughs> fraud. <laughs> What's wrong with that? What's 135 million on a house on the coast? Don't if uh, if you're going bankrupt, don't worry about it. Listen, it doesn't matter whenever you have to have certain amounts of liquidity to back your securities, okay? You can of do whatever you want to with it. You can it's get fine. your friends to loan it to you because there's no oversight. Listen, in I Panama, you can do whatever See? you want. All right. It's, it's all. I fine. lend Aaron money. Aaron lends you money. And when auditors come to see if I had enough money to lend Aaron in the first place so that I can get another loan, you will lend it back to me so that I can cover for them. And it's a circle of happiness, joy. Are we supposed to tell people we're doing this publicly? <laughs> <or>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aaron, oh, did that make sense to you? I think we just covered all of FTX. No, I was actually pretty reading much, the news pretty here. Pretty much what happened and... there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> dude everything like everything about this doesn't make any sense or nothing about any of this makes I any think sense it makes i don't know how else to say that about it 
it's 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 just absolutely insane like well let me let, let's think, talk a little I bit about it insanity and fraud are are the words that you might be conflating there because i don't think it was crazy or accidental i i think maybe no. it got away from them which you hear lots of stories about like you start a Ponzi scheme, you don't really realize initially that it's Ponzi, kind of falls apart, pay old investors, new investors, keep running, make a lot of money because money's flowing in, you like the lifestyle, you think, hey, I can fix this, then you go crazy, I don't know, because there seems to be a lot of people that get caught in this, quote, trap. Um, but yeah, I, it, you, he, they crossed a lot of lines that aren't fuzzy. Put it that way. Yeah. So mm. let's let's break this down. So first of all, FTX collapsed. Um, mm -hmm. It's just so everyone knows. If you hadn't noticed, we're a couple of weeks behind. So surely most people have seen this. But here here's where things aren't overly confusing. I mean, we're gonna get a lot more details out of. I think they're in bankruptcy you know, court right now, and I'm yeah. sure yeah. I'm sure criminal court will come. Uh, will come later yeah, based on will, some will, of the. And it's a crypto exchange, if you don't know what FTX yeah, was. Correct. Yeah, it's a crypto exchange. So here's here's the interesting piece here. I, I forget the gentleman's name. Um, who and SBF FTX. is the CEO. So SBF, it's his initials. Sam Bankman-Fried. There you go. Oh, so yeah. he also owned another entity, um, of which I can't remember the name. But it's not important. What is important yeah, Alameda. is Alameda. Alameda. Yeah. Yep. What's important is to note that he used funds, customer-owned funds from FTX, largely to fund the other entity, Al Alameda or Al Al Alameda, yeah. whatever we're saying there. Alameda, and so, yeah. first of all, there's there's a couple things that are problematic about this. One, that's bad. Two, he FTX also had a significant amount of assets in what are called stable coins, traditionally like fiat-backed currency of American quote dollars unquote. or whatever dollars. Yeah, quote-unquote. They're, they're, yeah, they're pegged to fiat, but that sure. the argument since the very first of those, which was Tether, uh, to my knowledge, um, was, yeah, or at least maybe that was the, the first one that became very popular. There may have been some other attempts, but the, the criticism of Tether and everything that has followed is that there is no transparency or third-party, completely autonomous auditing body that will confirm that there are enough liquid assets in the back end to actually peg it to the currency. So that's basically an unhinged risk. And, and this is actually yet another case of where not having sufficient liquidity to actually peg yourself to fiat currency creates a situation where when the cookie starts to crumble, it's it's untenable. It just completely swallows everything with it because it, it creates a vortex. Same thing happened to uh, uh, Terra Luna. It was a similar, yep. similar problem yeah. is that they, they had a, quote, pegged coin. So a dollar is a dollar's worth of coin. Now there were other issues and there. This is the vortex part is that they're usually way more complicated because it was incredibly simple. It'd be really hard to get into the situations where it's, you know, turtles all the way down. Like I think we got here and certainly where we got with uh, Terra Luna. But yeah, the problem is that they don't actually have any asset, any asset that that could be, which often is the case, Bitcoin, right? that yep. is sufficient enough to maintain a dollar to X ratio at, at a peg. Right. And so I just throwing that out there for people that don't completely understand sure. that. 
Right. So Anyways, Russ, were you... I, I cut you off, Russ. Continue. Oh no, you're fine. And so to to break this down, you know, well, let's talk about one thing because people who are listening to this say, like, how can you just do this? First of all, they are not an exchange that is ran or registered out of the U.S. It ran out of Panama, I believe, was what uh, it was. No, Bahamas. Bahamas, Bahamas. Thank you. The Bahamas. And it's which is where he still is right right now. Which is where he still is. Yeah. Smart, by the way. Interesting. Stay there. (laughs) Um, The the, the thing about that is the reason why they're there is because had if they were like, say, Coinbase, an exchange that is ran and located out of the United States, they would have to be regulated as a fiduciary based off of the services that they claimed to provide. I, I say claimed. I mean, they technically provided them. But here's where the rabbit hole goes with this. If they were treated as a fiduciary, they would be protected like this because they would have to keep all of the funds backed on it, just like Tyler's talking about. In addition to his uh, whole, you know, his whole issue with these two companies, it's not a problem to fund one company with another company's assets if it are those companies' assets. His issue is he funded his second company with customer assets, and it ended up deflating everything that he had. So here's where it got super, super messy. Tyler said this could have spiraled. I doubt that this guy is just evil and wanted to do this to sink himself in all of no, his customers. No, certainly not. Yeah. I think it did get away from him, Tyler. That's my own opinion. Because if I'm yeah. looking at these numbers here, it says well, FTX appears to hold about $1 billion of real money or money-like mm-hmm. assets, including currency right. and stable coins. The liabilities, so what they are against here, is upwards of $9 billion owed to it, customers so from usage exactly, of those funds yeah. to drop a value that's where this thing broke well and so so what's really fascinating about this one one thing i don't think we said and which is really important to understand that in in the crypto industry ftx was a massive exchange this wasn't like if you want to think traditional banking terms th- this is the the difference between like uh freddie mac and a and a credit union down the street these guys are Freddie. They're not the 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 right. little bank around the corner, right? Like them unwinding is, in this case is is fascinating and devastating to to the industry for one thing. But there's there's obviously a lot of faith to be lost. But what I wanted to say first, though, is that if I understand correctly, what started sort of the unwinding of the position was very much related to Alameda, which is a hedge fund, which. Bankman Freed also owned, yeah. and the FTT tokens, which he had minted and which Alameda owned a preponderance of. And the Fraud. problem with that ended up being that, yes, the way that it was structured, it's kind of like, I, I gosh, I read a, a great example or a, a, I guess a, an explanation of it uh, a, like a week ago, so it's fuzzy now. But basically... FTT has some value, right? Um, and, and the value of that token is based on markets buying and selling it and YOLO crap, I'm sure, because it's crypto still and it's very speculative. But FTT basically had some number of coins that were minted. And I, I think it was a coin where they couldn't generate new ones. I, I don't know that. Somebody will have to correct me there if I'm wrong. But the... The big problem was that the value of FTT was kind of 
based on the number of coins that were out in the wild. And because there were a relatively small number of those coins out and about, and the price was sort of going up based on that limited supply, Alameda, therefore Bankman Freed's uh, hedge fund, was able to show a ledger that looked grossly overvalued because of how much of it was actually built on FTT and the value of that FTT token, which created sort of a circular, hey, look at all the assets we have, give me more money, and then you know it just spiraled. Is you that is that your take too? Yes, but there's so many corners of this that are just absolutely like bonkers. Okay, <laughs> nobody is fully convinced that the CTO Gary Wang is a real person. <laughs> That's awesome. Straight up, nobody knows if he's a real person. That's new. I didn't hear that. Their website, yeah, their website says he's apparently what? an ex Googler, right? There's almost no information about him online. The photo of him on their website talking about their leadership is just a picture of his back looking at monitors. However, at the age of 28, he's only 28, right? And apparently, he was a childhood friend of SBF, but he was on the top of the Forbes 2022 list of world's billionaires under 30 wow. with a proclaimed net worth of $5.9 This was back in April. You don't know if he exists. And now people don't know if he exists. Yes. Like, she's like, what? See, if stuff like that comes out, like, th there's nothing else that that could be than fraud. Like, right. you can't misrepresent, misrepresent that badly. I, I say you can't. Clearly, you can. It is possible. Also, in some places, some of that might not be illegal, right? I don't know law in Bahamas. But when you start working internationally, and, and here's the, I guess, the really curious thing about all of this is that, I've heard a lot of people say it, and Russ, I think you were kind of alluding to it too. Um, organizations like Coinbase, also an exchange, are US-based and therefore have much more regulatory exposure. While I agree with that sentiment in general, we don't necessarily have strict regulation that defines things like necessary liquidity to cover shorts, longs. The intraday trading, for instance, which isn't as big of a deal in a in a network that settles instantaneously for all intents and purposes, which is again one of the benefits of cryptocurrency in general. But that's in true, banking, and not to interrupt and and break your no, point, but just remember they are also a publicly traded organization, yes, so we can actually which, see. So we can see a lot of their books. Specifically, Coinbase, which yeah. is yes. for many reasons the one of the many reasons why I only ever would use them. I mean, the two of you can even validate from previous chats like i only ever acquired crypto off of coinbase period i never used anything yeah. else and there were a lot of yeah. coins that didn't exist on on coinbase and i refused to go out and use any of them including ftx i just wouldn't do it um, yeah. and a lot of it is is because it's a significant portion of crypto traders and myself included especially early days relied on coinbase or the exchange <laughs> for a lot of different things including right. holding those funds or assets right. rather. And nacho keys, and so nacho now coin. <laughs> exactly. Now most <laughs> of mine, not all, most, like 90% of them, do are off of Coinbase and are, you know, sitting in a safe somewhere that no one needs to know about. But nonetheless, a significant portion of the reason why I did that is I always felt like I could you have to make a decision on who you trust in, in every entity, in every type of you know product you choose or whatever you're gonna do. For me, that was Coinbase. And I will tell you that the moment all this broke, I started went and 
started looking into the Coinbase side of things mm-hmm. to see are they solvent? Which you know, right. this is. I'm told this isn't a solvency problem. It was a liquidity problem, <laughs> as a as a one hop over the line. But yeah. I'm just saying that you that's know, an from my perspective, it is important for sure. But anyway, so for those people who are using Coinbase and wondering, is Coinbase going to do what FTX does? I think it's less likely. I think it's not impossible. Right. I just think sure. it's less likely and that this isn't a behavior of all exchanges is really kind of no. what I wanted to to get to. Yeah. And, and that that is it's a very important distinction because I, I think the in this industry, which is relatively speaking unregulated, and there is a lot of international uh, interaction as well. Obviously, this is part of its finances. Well, finance US is technically US based now, but um, there there are going to be mistakes, right? I think we've seen a lot of those when it comes to hacks, stuff like Mt. Gox, there were other ones. There's going to be fraud. This, I think, falls into a little of both, right? Um, there was, uh, gosh, there was an Italian exchange that that died early um, that, that I followed closely because I think I actually got Nano out of it ages ago. But... Um, and that that one ended up being fraud. They were taken to court because what they claimed was a hack was not a hack. It was them moving funds around after the fact. And they had code problems, which caused price problems, which created, you know, basically weird uh, arbitrage opportunities. Like we're we're seeing this industry grow up, but because it's all digital and it is so incredibly accessible, I think the scope and the scale of some of these mistakes, failures, and frauds are pretty extraordinary, right? Um, so yeah, I, I think you're right that. That exchanges that are regulated, publicly traded in um, arenas, or, or I guess uh, legislative authority, authority areas, so United States, Europe, um, I don't know all of the other countries that I would trust from a banking perspective. Probably not a ton of them, but um, they they have stricter rules, not because they are being treated like a bank or a forex or something like that, or um, but because if they're publicly traded, they do have general accounting practices, which force them to share more information than an FTX. Okay. But For that sure. doesn't, and, and doesn't mean we have the total transparency either. That is true. And just to get this specific um, area that they are covered under is that they are a qualified custodian under SEC definition. Nice. for grayscale investments. So that is specifically what Coinbase is. They have a, a division uh, of Coinbase of Coinbase called Coinbase Custody um, that is responsible for this. So in particular for Coinbase, they're a qualified custodian, which in general, they're not... So using fiduciary was the wrong term, um, just to point that out there. That's, they're not, they are not technically a fiduciary. They do have fiduciary responsibilities though, because they do provide certain things related to markets and futures. And so because of that, they fall under this SEC rule for being a custody or a, sorry, a qualified custodian, custodian. which apparently by the way, comes from 2004. So SEC was a little bit <laughs> ahead of this on where that landed. Yeah, that, okay, that's actually tell me, way back. Tell me what y'all think about the, these aspects of it. The fact that Tom Brady and Steph Curry are now under investigation for their endorsements of it. So let me set that aside. And also, that's stupid. educate you on the fact that they paid $17.5 million for the naming rights of UC Berkeley's football stadium, as well as $135 million for the rights to Miami's Heat uh, home arena. 
which obviously yeah. is going to be up for grabs I soon. Mean, but what, what are your thoughts LVF on those, was, those two? He was spending money like crazy. So the the latter. Sure, he tried to give money all, to Elon. Right? Like, yeah, he oh, tried he to was, help he Elon was, buy Twitter. Right, right. So <laughs> he had tons of assets, or at least he thought he did, um, and he could obviously spend them. So he was able to convert some. And I think this is the difference between the liquidity versus actually having solvency. He may have had dollars, but getting them out quickly enough to deal with mass exodus was the problem. And I, we'll get to that in a little bit. But but then the right. other two, I, I mean, sure, investigate him, right? You want to make sure that there was nothing fishy there. But I think it's far more likely they have no freaking idea what they were doing and they were paid to represent something. Yeah. Do you think that's yeah. okay? Well, I mean, it, it, well, sure. so first of all, I think I think it's I think there's two things here. One, it's it's ridiculous to sue them. That will go nowhere. Two, I I think that this is a leading indicator that what are we calling this guy? He goes by his SBF. SBF. I think yeah. it's a leading indicator that SBF was trying to genuinely build a business. I don't oh, believe sure. his intent was to go out there and to screw people over for money, which I have seen a lot of people stating that, you know, he's a crook who started like with the, like had criminal intent from day one. I just don't think that that's the case. I think it's like Tyler mentioned, it seems like something that probably got away from him because most criminals, like I don't see whatever the Gestapo out there, you know, you know, putting out ads and saying, Hey, you know, come here and we'll take your money and your lunch money yeah. and run away with it and hit you in the knees. You well, know, that just didn't happen. So, so, so I guess tell I me, think it's, uh, yeah, he was trying to do something that he felt was legit and, you know, made some wrong turns and then kept going down sure. those streets when he probably shouldn't have. Yeah. So I'm I, not a lawyer, I mean, but I think that people seems calling to make more sense with it. I kind of want to see it right. Like that. This is where yeah. the investigatory side is really interesting because there's hopefully more information that gets, sort of exposed later that helps paint a more detailed picture and, and usually see some pretty awesome write-ups about how this all really happened and sequence of events and you know maybe where things started to get away but that doesn't mean that laws weren't broken either so he may have not have started out with the intent of being a crook as you said but at some point he started to make decisions that were commensurate with crookery yeah <laughs> if that's a word oh, yeah. no, he's well, probably and so so where, where, how far do you take this in terms of, you know, how, how I don't know, how does this work when you have over a billion dollars worth of client funds uh, that are gone, right? Um, 70 million of it was traced to political campaign donations, 300 million cashed out by Sam himself, 121 million now traced to property that his parents own. Uh, like, how do you how do you go after that stuff? How do you unwind that stuff? Do you do you go talk to the Miami Heat? Do you talk to Tom Brady and Steph Curry? Do you, or is that yeah, just that's sunk costs? <laughs> what? No, I mean you, you, we sue them in the United States. You sue them. You sue the people that have the assets. You try to prove that yeah. they were either aware of it or that it's fishy or that the you know the line. It becomes very very complicated. And this, there's actually there's a ton of historical interesting stories like this. I mean, look at Bernie Madoff. You look at. Uh, Oh, who's the Wall Street bets, you know, in jail? Oh, what's his name? Anyways, that there yeah. are there are lots of Ponzi schemes where assets were purchased and houses and cars and vacations were given to people and you you can't take it all back. Unfortunately, it's incredibly difficult to unwind that kind of spend. So what you do is you sue the people. You try to prove that they were aware of the misdeeds that were going on or that they should have been aware and therefore were negligent. And you try to scrape back what you can, which is why they're going after people with pockets. Sure. You know, 
I think, and you know, I'm not a lawyer either, uh, nor will I ever be one. I've never played one on TV. But if you look at some of the response, so are we all familiar with Sequoia Capital? Pretty yeah. big VC mm-hmm. firm, right? Yeah. Um, maybe the biggest. I, I don't actually know, but it's certainly big. And uh, I mean, they've they've apologized to their fund investors for their losses. Like they're not, that money is not coming back. So if that's what you're wondering, like this money isn't going to be returned. Yeah, no, for sure. Not all of it, but they, I mean, they will. Well, that was the other side of the coin. They can. It's just 10% just better say, than zero. Yeah, yeah no, you I just think, say, like I we think said money it's a casino, is likely not know. coming back. So, yeah, yeah. right. No, I agree. I totally agree with that. Unless, and, and it, I think this will be to unique parties too. This certainly isn't going to be everybody. But if you find that some of these very wealthy players were or should have been aware of what was going on and it's provable, I imagine that's very difficult. Also not a lawyer, by the way. Sure. But um, if they were, then some percentage may actually come back, even even if it's just in the form of, uh, you know, like civil remuneration, right? Like you didn't do anything illegal, but the civil courts are going to award large awards because whatever. So there, there are still some ways to get some dollars back, but I don't think they'll come anywhere close to the hundreds of millions or billions that have been liquidated, right? I mean, Tom already lost Giselle. I think we can leave him alone. You know, he's, <laughs> he's enough at this point. Oh, man. Uh, this is a mess, though, man. It's a mess. I As I pull up more to try and find numbers, I'm mostly interested in numbers, to be honest. Um, the facts are going to come out over time. It's like someone reported reported to CoinDesk that uh, the trading firm Alameda, right? This is this is the sister company. I'll just say to, to FTX owed eight billion dollars in loans, so highly leveraged, and that its assets again <laughs> that it got the loans against consisted largely of tokens created by FTX. FTT. That's the point. This is that whole circular. If I lend money to Aaron, yeah. Aaron lends money to Russ, and then somebody comes saying, hey, Tyler, do you want a big loan? You just have to show me that you've got the money. I borrow it from Russ and say, yep, I'm good. <laughs> so if we if we do the math and add up all of mine, yours, and Bewley's money, it comes out to uh, Bewley took about $14 billion from of, in deposits from you. Uh, and then I guess you borrowed $8 billion in order to start paying him back. And then I raised $2 billion of equity capital from investors. And, uh, and then we gave back collectively about 5 billion of it to the savvy enough investors to run away. And, uh, and still probably hold some form of, you know, five to $6 billion of, of equity and venture investments, uh, plus the billion in cash. So, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be an, it, it, not only is it going to be interesting, but it's going to be so much stuff to sift through. I mean, this could take, yeah, this could be going on seven years from now. I mean, you know, I I was thinking about this the other night though, the, a lot of people will conflate all cryptocurrency with illegal activity because they think that it's uh, obfuscated, right? That it's it all is, know, secure, private. It's all it's um, all illegal. 
and, and yeah, right. I know it's we've talked about. I feel like we've talked about it before, <laughs> but it's probably been a while too. There, there are certain coins that are designed with privacy in mind. Monero comes to mind. There are others, right? I think Monero is one of the earliest. Therefore, one of the most. Uh, or largest, most respected, whatever. But um, generally speaking, it, as difficult as it will be to unwind this, because it's cryptocurrency and because most of it is going to be on public blockchains, it, people are already going through and looking at all the addresses that are associated with this. There's been a lot of really interesting back and forth about whether or not there was a hack shortly after the, you know, their their bankruptcy filing, um, when they stopped allowing customers to withdraw, and whether or not it was actually a hacker, or if it was SBF pulling funds out himself or for friends, or if it was the the Bahamian government pulling it out because they have the right to do so and whether or not they're all conflated oh. or mixed or mingled like it will take a long time to unwind that but most of it is actually there's a trail and so there, there are breadcrumbs everywhere and they never go away and it will be really interesting to see somebody like paint this a web and walk us through like what accounts are what and where they came from and i find that absolutely fascinating in the crypto space bitcoin in particular comes up a lot because ethereum too because they've been around since basically the beginning of blockchain and cryptocurrency as a concept and as a result there are thousands of of these tokens of bitcoins for instance that are in addresses that have never moved and it's quite possible that it was a kid in his garage who mined them, won a block, got 400 Bitcoin, and threw that computer out, forgetting that Bitcoin was even a thing because it was worth 17 cents at the time, and it will never get touched. But other ones could be worth billions of dollars, and people are just watching them. And if they move, they're like, okay, where'd it go? Let's follow it. And they do the same thing with major hacks, right? So they'll watch the addresses that get funds out of known exploits, and then they'll wait until they're distributed. Distributed, and there there are actors that will go and actually arrest those people. There's a I think we talked about one a little while ago, but a couple was arrested. They finally tried to get some of the four million Bitcoin or something that they stole. Four million in in Bitcoin that they stole. They only pulled out like a hundred thousand, and they got snagged by the FBI. And it's yeah. like. Yeah. It's going to be really hard to steal some of these assets. And and sure. yeah, I, I just I find it absolutely fascinating to see the write ups afterwards and to watch like the individual sleuthing that goes on when you're kind of trolling through the, the, the blockchains to see where things have moved and try to associate it and understand like, well, what would cause that behavior? I don't know. I find those threads really neat. Well, I'm looking forward to the documentary coming out because there's going to be one. Someone's going to. Yeah, one. right. I hope so. <laughs> And it only costs eight billion to make. Yeah, I hope it's an exactly. economist that makes it. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. The other thing, and as you would wait. imagine. Okay, go ahead. Well, I was going to say one thing because I started to go down this path, but I think I think this is really important. Uh, there are two things that I wanted to bring up. One was uh, Russ brought up Grayscale. Grayscale Investments actually has what Bitcoin futures, right? That's where a lot of it's based. So they yep. they basically use leverage against the the price of Bitcoin as opposed to holding Bitcoin, but. Um, I, and, and I want to read into this more, but uh, I'm going to throw it out there because maybe somebody knows and maybe it will just throw spark it. interest in general. But Grayscale has so far refused to expose what their asset base actually looks like. Like, what do they have as far as covering what they've levered against uh, Bitcoin or, or 
whatever Smoke future they support, right? And and it's that Smoke one's really interesting because because Grayscale is also a a U.S. based entity. Now I don't know that they're considered. Well, I would assume they are with the SEC as the custodial. So so even having that level of oversight, being a custodial banking institution or whatever we're going to call it, um, does not require you to actually open up your books. And so they are um, avoiding. They're saying currently in Grayscale's product family, um, in the family, Avi, but, but, so Algorand, Avalanche. Oh, so they do more. Yeah, Bitcoin, so do Bitcoin Cash, Cardano, and then they also have. So that I, I'm going to swag it here. I'm going to say they have 20ish of them, and then they have another probably 30 that they say are assets under consideration. Yeah. So um, so here's that my is point. As this of, is why. Oh, never mind. Sorry, that was they add it. I guess where whenever they add one over a certain course of months, they bolt it. So. But this this is this is my point here, right? So even though they're a custodial, whatever it was, sorry, I already forgot the term. Even though they're in the U.S. and that they are under those regulations, they are not required to tell us how many Bitcoin they have to cover their futures activity. For instance, like like if it's short, for instance, sure. If they're if they're running massive shorts, how much Bitcoin do they have if Bitcoin runs up? to cover that short position. And the reason that's super interesting is A, US institution, custodial, financial, they're supposed to be more trusted, but they will not provide that transparency. And two, this is where the normal fiat banking industry does have regulation and a baseline. Gets a little sketchy too, because it's not totally transparent. But if you remember all the fun that we had talking about the, GameStop and AMC run-ups, right? So the Wall Street bets, just meme coin, um, hockey stick of joy that was play, watching that market play out, right? Um, what what happened to the institutions that were trading GME at the time, AMC as well, but GME was the, the primary, so we'll focus on that, is that they have strict rules that are set by the clearinghouse on how much asset they have to own cash or otherwise to cover the positions that their traders are executing and because it's a delayed settlement i think that's part of it right like it takes three days to actually settle how many shares you have versus how much money you have um it put them in a position overnight because if i remember correctly the clearinghouse basically said you need 100 percent of of your your customers bets basically covered right. by cash by the end of the day, or you have a huge problem with liquidity, right? So they're basically saying you're you're butting up against insolvency because this is an unhinged risk. And if it ends up being a completely naked short, there is literally no upper limit. Um, and so they were scrambling to get that coverage and platforms like Robinhood, which are relatively young and not nearly large enough to just cover their butts with other assets. Who? They really yeah, have Robinhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they they immediately halted trading, which happens in the the crypto exchanges too. But but what's interesting is that those rules are they're not transparent because the clearinghouse it's not like public information what those rates are and that sort of stuff. Or if it is, it's not easy to get your hands onto. Um, but there are rules in the crypto space between these exchanges. Those rules do not exist. They get to make them up as they go for all intents and purposes. And that's where things like Tether being pegged to a dollar, but not actually necessarily having assets enough to cover whatever gap exists is 
potentially catastrophic. And so it's it's just interesting to me what exists and what doesn't exist as far as regulatory oversight and what level of transparency might actually be necessary to feel comfortable with an exchange. And all of this ignores the fact that a lot of people like cryptocurrency because it's supposed to be decentralized, but it wouldn't function without exchanges, which are centralized. <laughs> I mean, that's true of the internet too. The internet is decentralized and yet you can't that's get onto it an internet service provider. Uh, that's true of pretty much anything that is decentralized. <laughs> uh, but one thing that might be interesting to add of note, so if, if we look at Grayscale specifically, just to add on to the point uh, that you're making, Tyler, so you can look up a lot of interesting information. Like you can see their AUM, which is going to be their assets under management of individual products, as they call them. The reason why they call these products what is because they're fundamentally trust. Um the total Does it give a doesn't. Total AUM? I mean, you, no, you'd have to add them up, but it's it's a lot. Okay. Uh, it's it's not a okay. little. And I just so want to see how it compared is, to like a Sequoia Capital, which has like eighty-five right. billion. So this anyway. uh, does it well, look like it's close? This um, rough swagalicious on it. <laughs> I'm gonna say that it's probably in the realm of about twenty. No, 20 call it thirty. Thirty billion. That's okay. my guess. Cool. Sorry, um, go ahead. Yeah, no worries. So if I look at the fine print here. Products displayed uh, with without a market price per share <clears throat> are not publicly quoted. There can be no assurance that the value of the shares of such product will reflect the value of digital assets held by such product. Less such products expenses and other liabilities in the shares of such product. So pointing out that that one is that they're they're not basically stating there's no assurance to the value of the shares correlating to the product itself that, that they hold. They have another one here that says products displayed with a market share or market price per share also maintained a public quotation on the OTC marketplace. To date, these products have not met their investment objective and the shares of such products quoted on the OTC QX, <clears throat> the marketplace, have not reflected the value of digital assets held by such product. So basically, they're confirming, Tyler, that they are potentially not holding um, the amount that it shows, you know, the, the equal amount, right, of right. their product, which in this case are their trusts, in either mm. quoted or unquoted public prices. Mm. So, yeah, you know, they're clearly not, I mean, they're, they're stating that outright, which maybe maybe the rule says they have to do that. But clearly, Maybe. the rule doesn't say they have to keep <laughs> keep it one to one because they wouldn't be or, stating it outright if that were exactly. the case. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So. Right. And they they aren't really clear about how far the gap is either. Right. Uh, don't worry about that. That's not. That's yeah, not. Important. Don't look at that little guy. <laughs> before we before we before we drift too far from FTX, wanted to call out, and I just retweeted this, but. The, uh, the phishing scams, as you might imagine, a derivative off of this craziness. Um, the phishing scams coming out, taking advantage of the FTX, uh, what we'll call victims. Um, over the weekend, apparently a verified account, and that's we can talk about that too, uh, but a verified account posing as FTX founder, SBF, that's Sam great. and Freed, posted dozens of videos that were actually deep fake videos offering FTX users, quote, compensation for their losses, but it's just a phishing scam designed to drain their crypto wallets that they that they okay, connect, so participated in. I'm sure this has happened Incredible. before, but I, I am I mean sad for these people, so don't take this the wrong way or or do, but 
know that I didn't mean it that way. I think it's absolutely fascinating and kind of hilarious that someone is actually using deep deep fake videos already to instantiate or prove out, create trust for their scams. I mean, we all knew this was going to happen. But well, and they I, married I it with the Twitter the last example. I, no, it's it's, it's brilliant. It's, it, it's, I know. I, hate I feel terrible it, for the people that got scammed, but it's right. brilliant. Also, Twitter blue. What a freaking joke! Another <laughs> <laughs> reason oh why we. Oh my stay. gosh! Oh my gosh! People, official people, and/or groups. They cut out. And if you, would you say, Russ? I'm saying this is what's important for us to have some form of an official marking in addition to human verification on something yeah. like Twitter. And if people like Kyle Sutherland cannot figure out what constitutes a famous or official person, then I'm sorry, you're not going to be the one making that decision because it's insane <laughs> to me that, that that's the different that that's the thing that we need to make the definition for. We can figure Why are you that out. Kyle. What happened to because Kyle? Because he said it in the chat. He, he was like, well, what's the definition of famous oh. or official person? Yes, he was arguing like, about that. <laughs> Dude, what are we doing here? Bro, a so, notable yeah, person. Come at me, and yeah, Kyle. you shot the definition, like, yeah, the Webster's definition of it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Next question. Come on the show. Next question. Fight about it, Kyle. Uh, that's okay. awesome. Well, Terrible. I was trying to defend you, Kyle, and then I couldn't, so sorry. i tried my best oh my goodness that's funny okay all right is anything else do we want to get into twitter Twitter blue is dumb do we want to get into that how about just in general what's happening with elon and twitter because i think i think that's going to be another fascinating story too i i am so excited to see how this plays out because i think that there's just a ton of fud and garbage about Twitter burning to the ground and how it was intentional, it's political or it's, you know, Elon's a moron. Like, I I refuse to believe that that's the baseline. Nobody accidentally does this with $44 billion, but mistakes may well have been made. One of my favorite conspiracy theories around this so far is he bought a lot of Twitter, owned about 9%, then tweeted about it, got it all run up because he made the comment like, hey, I might buy Twitter, pissed the SEC <laughs> yeah. off again. Right. And then they were like, well, pony up or go to jail, buddy. And he's right. like, dang Future it. Words. And then he tried everything he could to be like, no, Twitter's a bunch of jerks and they won't tell me what I want to know. Bots, dot, dot, dot. And had to buy it anyways. That's yeah. my favorite conspiracy theory so far. But I don't think the way he's acting on Twitter is all that different than how he runs his other companies. I mean, rewind the clock like a decade. And some of the stuff that they're talking about, Twitter, difference being that he came in and really cut a lot of people out by the sound of it, is that he absolutely runs his companies with with a massive hammer. He is there. He is going to work you to the bone, and you're going to do things. I think the hard bridge to gap there, or gap to bridge there, is that the the charter of twitter i don't think creates the same internal fire that get to mars and make electric cars awesome does for people i could be wrong and those people probably do exist but i don't know what i i think the charter of twitter doesn't create like the it's kind of like um a lot of people will stay in government contracting jobs and government jobs, not because they pay the most, but because they feel like they owe 
something in the sense of public right. service or or you know duty to the country and stuff like that. I can see that kind of duty driven. There's a word for this, and I just can't come up with it right now. But I can see that sort of duty driven. What? In, in, it'll make sense. Like the so yeah. The thing with it, is is he usually starts with like a cause, mm-hmm. and then he 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 starts the cause. You know, and that's to you know make a more sustainable planet to further technology and get to Mars, et cetera. And he and he ends up building a business out of the cause, and and many people will follow. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the what you're saying, and and I tend to agree with you on on for really this reason alone, um, is that Twitter's cause maybe won't get as many people quite as fired up. And here's my thing about this: I think both of you would agree that. I am someone who works probably too much. Um, Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. Aaron just heard me go on a rant about how people who play video games for fun drive me insane because I'm here to, (laughs) um, I don't even joke. That's, uh, that's actually real for me. And so my, that's, that's the mentality of someone like me. That that is probably joke. And here's what's crazy. Elon is that way times in order of magnitude, which I believe we define as 10,000 X Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong. And the reason why I say that is this guy (laughs) will, he will never ask you to do anything that he wouldn't do. The problem is, is the links he's willing to go (laughs) are insane. And that's what you have to get on board with. And to, to do that, I think you need to do what Tyler's saying, kind of align to the cause yeah. uh, of, of whatever to. it is they're doing. And his other ones are probably much stronger than, than that of Twitter. Uh, that's kind of my viewpoint on it. Sure. So yeah, a funny well, tweet the other day. Yeah. There was, oh, no, go ahead. You have something on that? No, I was, no, I was just totally agreeing. I, 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 it was, he finished the thought that I had, which is I, I think the difficulty with Twitter is that at least right now, the employees at Twitter they aren't there because they believe wholeheartedly in the mission. They're there because they have to be. They can't get out. Could be job. Could be location. Could be visas. Could be all kinds of things. He needs the timing those of the economy going down. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. There's there's lots there of might, reasons. I'm not, I'm not putting it on one. Want to be there? I, I'm, there might be I'm not sure. saying that there aren't any. I'm saying yeah. that the entire staff isn't. And and to be let's sure. look at look at that from the other side of the coin. That might be exactly what he's doing. He just let everyone that isn't committed to the cause go. Like, either put your whole heart into this, we are yeah. going to fix social media, bold, love it, or get out. Yeah. No, it's absolutely And so said. everybody that 100%. wasn't there got out. And now he's yeah. either going to find those people or he's going to have a really tough time. And I think it's sure. probably going to be a combination of both for a while. But, but look, if his goal and it is to a lot actually of like, make... Yeah. Well, of course. And, and Elon's a goofball when it comes to what he says publicly, I'll say. Uh, I'll trying to be as unbiased as possible there, right? But that pisses people off. And people get angry and then they start to make assumptions and they start to make pictures and their bias bleeds through on everything. Like not everything he's doing is the most thought out. Not everything he's doing is a total YOLO. He is not just wreaking havoc. I don't think he is an entropy generator, right? Oh, he is yeah, but he's also communicating entropy. terribly. He's, yeah. he, well, he's not communicating internally. Tweets, his employees, <laughs> yes, his employees are having to watch his Twitter to see what he says, right? It's and and wild. I again, I want to see the the documentary at the end of this because sure. I feel like we 
I don't have any, I don't have enough first sources to validate that he's not communicating internally. Or if we're hearing people that look oh, like been resources that are bitter yeah. because they already got fired or they already left sure. the company or dot, dot, dot. I don't have the time to validate the potential opinions about how he's handling this. I'm just curious how it's all going to play out. And I hope his heart's in the right place. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, the employees inside of Twitter that are still there and the employees that have left have not been shy about sharing the emails that have gone out while they're still there and the emails that went out before he was or before they were gone, et cetera. So all of it's been public, hundred percent of it. But what, what's been funny is there's, there's been a whole, there's been like this whole, you know, sub current of memes uh, focused on the fact that there's quote unquote, nobody at Twitter anymore. And there's one I saw the other day. Uh, apparently, the at superfollows account uh, superfollows this person, and he said, "What if I hypothetically change my monthly subscription price from three forty nine to a hundred thousand dollars, and there's no one there to disable the auto renewal from the notification <laughs> since Elon fired them all?" And Suck you just it. you get all these, yeah, you get all these, and then you know, whatever. But I have had a lot of fun watching the threads because I, I think I've said this before, but most of Twitter, at least when I enjoyed Twitter, most of Twitter was my little tech sphere, right? Now, Twitter puts a sure. lot of crap in my timeline that I do not care for because I just yeah. don't care about, well, pop culture, I guess, would be the way to put a big old umbrella over it. Um, and and so I get to see all the threads, and this is what I love, that are like going into, hey, I am an SRE and I've been doing this for 20 years, a site reliability, reliability engineer, yeah. right? And these are the myriad ways that Twitter could fail catastrophically if this person isn't in place kind of thing. And, and right. it just lists them all out. And people are talking about how it, it, the, the comparisons to Twitter's going to burn in a fire tomorrow. It's like, no, it's not. It's doing fine today. It's like, yes, my car is still rolling with half a tank of gas. I guess I don't need <laughs> right? gas, right? Like that's, that's been wild about when this. It, this whole, when it breaks, it will be yeah. fascinating. <laughs> yes, that whole conversation breaks. about how you know what it takes from an engineering group to keep software running yeah. uh, versus moving it forward with additional features etc has all been happening out in the open uh, throughout the community on twitter right and whether or not it's yeah. dead or dying or you know it's on its last breath has all been happening on twitter mm -hmm. yeah um, but it's which is cool we don't usually get to see that stuff sure yeah. Can I ask a different question or not a different one? Well, I no. guess it is. I mean, just, just ask a question. Okay. I'll no. just move on then. Um, yep. Just kidding. I don't care I what anyone says. Uh, um, the, so the business model of Twitter, here's the thing about Twitter getting shaken up. I mean, I don't like people losing their jobs, but nah. Elon made a, made a statement that, that I actually kind of tend to agree with and not because I dislike ads, but Twitter, I don't think has been doing overly well just in general, mm -hmm. it seems stagnant for a decade. And I just don't think the ad model was really working for it. I don't think it's ever going to usurp, uh, you know, a Facebook or a Google in, in that space. Mm -hmm. Heck, I think, you know, Apple generates more off of ads than Twitter does. And so what I'm curious about is, you know, Elon made a statement, said Twitter can't just work off of ads, like it can't sustain itself. And so that's part of the subscription part of what he's adding. What do we do? What are some other other models? Or do you agree with Elon? Or do you think it still needs to stick to the ad model? Can subscription be the way to do it? 
just done differently than what we've done so far. What do we, I mean, what do we do? Cause I tend to be on the side of, I don't know that the ads thing is going to work for Twitter because they've tried it for a decade and I, it hasn't. I, I, I'm really bad at remembering like the scale of numbers when it comes to stuff like that. But, but I think it would be sort of easy to do some of that analysis, but just been based on some of the stuff that's been made public lately. Like if I remember correctly, I read something that basically said that when uh, blue check marks all of a sudden were an $8 subscription, only 120,000 users are, are even targeted or expected to lean in legitimate, by the way. I actually think there was a great money grab opportunity for all the bot checks there. So I, I think he nailed that one personally. I just think it pissed a lot of people off, which is also hilarious. Um, but the, the, I totally lost my train of thought because I did that aside. Um, I think you were talking about the t uh, the amount of ad revenue, whether or not it would make oh, a yeah, difference. Yes. Well, that's where I was so, thinking well, because well, Elon but, has but said that's that it wouldn't. It, it, well, it see, but that's where I'm, I'm not so I'm not so sure. It, and this is where well, I think it'd be really fascinating well, to see it. how do, how know. does eight dollars a month for one hundred and twenty thousand users compare to all of Twitter's potential ad revenue? If there are literally millions of net new active users, hundreds of millions of people, I have to assume that ads add up to more than eight times one hundred and twenty thousand. Well, it most I'm certainly does. Twitter it's got to be more than one hundred and twenty thousand, and it absolutely well, does. Twitter. There, I mean, Twitter needs 15 million don't paying pay users. to be on a social network. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I mean, I could need, be so totally need, wrong, but I don't. I, I, I think, don't see that happening. I, think I don't be. think that's it. I think you might no, be, and too. that's fine. I um, might. I might be wrong, but I don't. You're a unique well, case. I don't know, man. What on earth do you need? What? What are you paying? You're paying a subscription for the check. You're paying it for edit. Are you paying it to be on the social network? Yeah. <sighs> Okay. So also, there's opportunity in... costs for everybody that doesn't pay. If their experience sucks as a result, they're going to leave, which does reduce what little you get from ads. Sure. Yeah. So I like I don't think social media works without ads. No, I don't think it does either. I think it has to be a combination. Is what my point was. I think yeah, it's I don't ads think the plus subscription. Yeah. The ads entirely. But I, but I think. I think the ads have to be the dominant revenue source. You have to find a way to make ads a revenue generating event because it it approaches everyone on the platform, sure. the hundreds of millions, instead of the 10% or the 2%. Sure. Yeah, all so I was saying is Elon was making it clear that if it was just ads, that Twitter wouldn't survive. It wouldn't be profitable. Maybe that's today. I don't know. I don't, yeah, ugh, fair enough. I mean, if it's just well, ads, so there, but, but is that true for everybody else? Twitter well, you know is what? I guess Reddit has a new revenue day. stream. What's what's their revenue stream? Uh, well, they started to the they added tokens. They added uh, all the little. Um, you've got Reddit Gold. You've got the uh, badges. I don't. These are all things that are practically foreign to me because I will never pay for features on a social media platform. I am an outlier there. I will agree with you guys. Yeah, but, but all um, kinds of people do all the time. But but like Facebook. Yeah. Facebook's You're just in the ads, bottom one percent right? of that. So yeah. So let yeah, me hold on, hold on one moment. Let's, I think let's there are look more at other... than there are you. Uh, no, no, you're, well, but you, you, no, you're no, def no, hold you on. definitely scoring right. the bottom one percent by not doing it at all. <laughs> so hold yeah, on, hold on. He, he that's that's probably true, but Tyler's absolutely right. Be because if oh, you look at other other models, well, this is where we're we're all going to be right. If you look at other models that people look at and especially people like tyler and so for people who are wondering you don't tyler, know tyler that well cheap people tyler's a cheap person <laughs> and so, no that's terrible. 
it's just a reality. And so nice. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's a reality. And so <laughs> most unfair. of the time, the subs, it is unfair. most unfair. of the time. Well, here, let I'll me let ask you make another your point, question, but I'll Tyler. try to defend him later. <laughs> okay, go for it. By all means, how many? Val- how much money Sorry, would man. you pay for a digital knife that does nothing different in a game, <laughs> Tyler? Zero dollars. Exactly. You want to know what percentage of people would stop? Do you want to know what people, what percentage of people will pay for a digital knife that adds nothing to a game? What percentage? 70. About 5% of the player base. Okay. There. So what is the the 95%? (laughs) What is the percentage of Twitter users necessary to hit 15 million? It is 3.7%. Oh, well, there you go. So, so, so they might million. actually get there. So, so that's okay. where the if, if you get math. the Thank top three to no, well, that's this is exactly what I was kind of curious about, and I didn't realize that that Elon had actually come out and said specifically we need 15 million users, right? Because he said I, I, they they lose four million dollars per day currently, ah, and so go. this is just so math to get to that number based off the eight dollar at eight dollars. You know. Yeah, so 15 yes. million at eight dollars per month equals Correct. yeah, cool. No, they, and that makes sense. And 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 when you when you put it in perspective, charging charging your most ardent users or people who are willing to pay to subscribe to the whales anything we call them they're uh, called the whales and the micro transaction sub the money foolish. Category. Sure. Digital knives and. And fake tip check marks. Have a lot of extra money to spend on these things. <laughs> Who knows how they got there? Must have been luck. I just love that Parents. Apple gets 30% of every one of those dollars for the mob protection. <laughs> it's like just oh, it's great. It's ridiculous. It's great. It's great. It's great. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think, you know, where, where my, where my pushback it. on stuff like that comes from is that I, I have zero interest in paying for hanging out in a room where people are being goofy and that's basically how i treat twitter and so i'm not i'm not going to pay a subscription to show up and operate in a certain way i don't care about influencers the ads irritate the crap out of me i don't like ads i do like people on twitter and i like the interaction but like i said it's it's just fun to watch and interact with people on twitter it's not an experience that I'm willing to pay a premium for if there's an alternative that's anything like it. Well, there isn't. And there if you isn't. paid $8 a month and you experience a third of the amount of ads, just even that one piece, you've said you hate ads. Is that worth it? I don't, I don't hate one them thing, enough to pay for them to not be there. I mean, I will say this. To experience a third of I the amount of ads. ads, I think is a bad sale. Like that's a, it that's is a, a bad, bad sale. sale. <laughs> <laughs> no ads. But, so, so the answer, even from someone like me, would be no. Um, <laughs> right. But the thing that I'm interested in, uh, related to, I guess, maybe value of what all this goes. So, one thing I came across recently, and I talked about in the TBP chat, was something that was very interesting for me. Looking at search engines and the fact that, you know, search engines run off ads too, even the privacy centric mm-hmm. search engines and due to some of the agreements to, to work off of uh, both ad networks and indexers for search engines, which you basically have to have a significant amount of capital investment in these systems to make them work, which basically means Apple, Google, 
and Microsoft, Facebook. Those guys can build out these engines that people piggyback off of for searching or ad creation. That's it. Like you just can't compete at scale. So even the smaller players like a DuckDuckGo or whoever have to eventually index off of one of them, which means they have to come up with agreements with them in order to service their community, a privacy-centric community that probably doesn't like it whenever Microsoft Bing trackers are let through their blocker because of one of these agreements or the same by Google or whatever else it might be. And so, you know, how do you solve these problems? I mean, it's, it's for pay services. And so I came across some for pay uh, search engines Two, I'm trying two of them out. I mean, I only found two, but I'm trying them both out to see kind of how they work. And I do wonder if there was like a contract for a for pay of, Hey, if you pay us $8 a month, you know, maybe you'll get these features or whatever else, but also we will guarantee privacy. You will, as far as like data that we collect or that come in and, you know, track this here or whatever, like maybe they'll block trackers in their own app from, from people who do that, enable the feature flag. That would be an interesting thing. I don't know what that market looks like there because I don't expect for Coggy or Kagi or however you pronounce this search engine to overtake Google ever. Hmm. But I do wonder if something like privacy, which if we talk about on the internet business models, privacy isn't one of them unless you're paying for it. So I wonder if that would be a thing that he could do. I don't, I don't think that he will, but I just think that would be interesting from the uh, landscape of a social media platform, which I think we can all agree are typically like the least kind of private applications when it comes to data collection of things you don't realize you're giving it. Like, you know, when you're posting something publicly that's public, but you don't know necessarily that that same application is, you know, pulling XYZ thing from other application or your location and sending it to these people. Like, you don't know those things. And that's a lot of what ATT is with Apple or like I've mentioned, Rethink DNS or, or DuckDuckGo's privacy tracker or um, blocker thing. Like, those are things that are popping up and interesting. And so I do wonder if there's a pay for privacy model that would be interesting to Twitter users. So Musk, that's my idea. Come on the show and let's talk about it. Pay for privacy. Ooh, man, um, I did see uh, one, one of the things that, that caught my eye and I know we're, we're going long here so we can, we can exit, but um, back to, I, I'm curious to see how Twitter and Elon play out because I think the man has a lot of good ideas and I think he knows how to uh, get people to, implement them to, to put it lightly um he mentioned fully encrypted uh, direct messages on twitter that makes it much more viable as, as a tweeting platform he's already talked a lot about bringing video back and trying to create more of like the content creation side so you talk about revenue streams when you have content creation and you've got folks that are building content like they do on youtube or i suppose tiktok wait 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 what do you mean by bringing video back because i thought i saw that news and it was uh, more like video calls uh, no, I think video calls, but there was also the, he, he put out a thing. He said, should we bring Vine back? He was talking about doing long -term oh, yeah, video, yeah, yeah, starting yeah, out yeah. with, yep. he was, but yeah, but it was, it went way past like what Vine used to be. Cause he talked about sure. initially just being shorts, like, like you have on Instagram, like you have on TikTok, but then getting into longer and, and getting to the point in. where you're being able to upload and download full length, you know, like multi-hour video to, yeah. to Twitter. Yeah. I mean, that would be an absolute game changer for the platform. I don't know if it'd be good or bad, but it will absolutely be a new world order. Well, you and can then, already do uh, that today with Twitter Blue. You can upload like forty mil or forty million, forty minute videos. 
Yeah, and maybe that was he was saying that early that would be. But the interface that would is be terrible. Available faster. Yeah, because it's there not there is work. no that interface. You, me. Yeah, you have to find a video and then <laughs> then you can kind of randomly get into. Anyway, go ahead. But well, all all I'm saying is like those are novel ideas or novel for Twitter. They're not novel in the the space that is uh, social media, right? Whether or not they jive with Twitter is arguably immaterial. It will become what it becomes. He's going to try lots of things. He's going to fail fast. He has said that repeatedly, and I think he's proven that he's capable of doing that kind of development, right? And whether it's software... And he has pivoted really fast on a lot of stuff. Yes. yeah, yeah, I think that's totally his MO. He's going to try stuff out, and if they work, he's going to pour resources into them, whether that's huge humans or dollars, whatever it takes, and he's going to chase it. And I mean, hopefully at some point he doesn't cut and run. I think Twitter is a pretty neat platform for for certain things. But um, those are the kinds of things that I think. Yeah. The the chaos and the the new features and the constant change and the implementation and then removal. And it, it, he's even, he's, uh, I don't know if he's tweeted any numbers, but like every day for the past week and a half, he's like Twitter user base has hit an all time high again today, right? right? The engagement is just off the charts. And that makes perfect sense because he is in and of himself, a draw to the platform. He is one of the wealthiest people in the world. He operates multiple very front and center companies at this point, at least as far as CEO titles are concerned. And and he's a goofball, which makes him fun to watch. Like we're watching drama that is corporate America unfold in real time in a way that you just don't usually get to see. This doesn't happen all the time. This is ridiculous. So get your popcorn, get on Twitter and watch. <laughs> Word. Just it's funny. It. Twitter is subsequently a platform. I mean, I'm willing <laughs> just to pay the eight dollars for. But even even if it, but but I also am interested in the fact that there's a very real possibility that Twitter could just like explode and go away based off of what Elon does. Sure. And I'm here yeah. for either part of it. <laughs> yes, like, make a platform worth paying for, or watch it explode. And like either one of them, I'm fine with. Same. Uh, Same. So. If yeah, <laughs> if, if Twitter implodes, I'll I'll pour a beer out for my homies. You know, it'll be it'll. Oh no! Anyway, <laughs> that sounds terrible, but like I'll get over it. And but but I I would prefer to see it succeed because I think it could turn into something more interesting. And honestly, I don't want this story to ever end because it's ridiculous and it's a lot of fun to think about and follow. But uh, yeah, at some point we're gonna be bored with the drama. And we're just going to want a social media platform that functions in a positive experience kind of way on average for everybody that's on it. So mm, here's the that's hoping he succeeds there. So. Oh, that's why I said <laughs> we need to shut average. this down. We need to shut this down. We're like an hour and a half. <gasps> I get this. to exit. No, Please. no, we weren't recording that long, were we? Oh, my goodness. That's a long time. Well, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Thanks for joining us, y'all. I'm glad I'm back. I'm glad you're back. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you've enjoyed subscribing to the podcast. Now we're changing our times a little bit here and hopefully all three of us can get together a little bit more, but we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for being here. Later. Later.